Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to On Boys, real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. We're your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net and Janet Allison of boysalive.com. Well, dear listeners, we have a special experience for you today. I was recently at a school up in Washington State, and I met Jeremy Day, and he told me about his business with Joe Shamanic. They have a podcast and a business called Backcountry and Barbells, which seems like a strange combination, but we're going to find out more about that. And maybe it's not strange, but to me, it was like, Interesting. Anyway, they are committed to inspiring people to train, hunt, and live their best lives. Jeremy and Joe, welcome. Thank you so much, guys. We appreciate well, it. Thank you. It's great to have you here. So, Jeremy, you are an avid outdoorsman. You are the backcountry of backcountry and barbells, and you picked up your first gun at age six and then actively started hunting at age 21. You're also a husband and dad of three. Tell us a little bit more about that, and then we'll we'll hear from Joe, and then we'll just jump right in, get started. Okay, yeah, so when I was um, six years old, uh, my dad put the first gun in my hand and said, point down there and shoot it. He put his knee in my back. It was a 38 Special, the pistol, and um, put his knee in my back, and I shot, and the gun went up, and he caught it with his hands. Oh, so, wow. Um, that was my first experience to shoot. And, and, he, and so he's, he was always, here, shoot this, shoot this. And so I was kind of like his guinea pig. And I think him and my grandfather got a kick out of it, because every time I'd shoot a gun, they'd just start laughing their butts off because they <laughs> thought it was funny. <laughs> how the percussion on those things are. So, so we went shooting a lot. That was my, my dad was a big fisherman. He didn't hunt much. He did some pheasant hunting here and there. He was, we would just go shooting probably twice a month. And then we were living in Idaho, and then we moved to Portland, Oregon. And then we quit shooting. Um, he quit hunting. He, quit kind of, he just kind of gave up on all the outdoor activities. Fast forward a little bit to when I was 18, I met my wife. We got married at 21 and that's when i started hunting then you go to 26 we had our first son he's now 21 years old and that's joey and then we had antoinette who is 17 now we have titus who is seven so we got a little bit of spread there i've always been an outdoor guy because when growing up as a kid in in idaho and in, in portland my family was very very poor so i was basically on the streets all the time so i was out playing in the rivers playing in this playing in that fishing and doing whatever so great it's kind of my little quick story so joe did your dad put barbells in your hands at age six no No. uh, (laughs) interesting enough i didn't i didn't grow up with my parents which is really interesting um I, i was a um 
I think I was truly raised by the village. So my parents had me at 17 and 18 years old and um, grandparents and aunts and uncles took me in. And it wasn't until about uh, going into high school, things stabilized for me, but I ended up uh, hitting college and playing football in college. Football was my passion as a young kid. So uh, through football, I was I was a small kid, but the only reason I got on the field was I found I did find a gym. We had a really good training and conditioning coach who um, uh, mentored me. I think I think coaches kind of filled in the gaps where um, maybe dads weren't there. So, but interesting enough, right now as my parents have matured, maybe uh, at a slower pace than I had, we're kind of doing it at the same time. So we're actually great friends now, and um, okay. things are things are really great. So there's a, a great relationship there, but. Um, yeah, for, for me, how I got into the, the barbell side of this was um, after college, I met the right girl. Um, and she's in the military, so she's an active duty physical therapist. So just following her around and picking up coaching and teaching where I could, um, figured it out. But as we had kids, I put full-time teaching on hold and actually raised the three critters. Uh, <laughs> and while I, ra- while I was raising my kids, I actually got really heavy into CrossFit and had a stint with the CrossFit Games with a team from Hawaii and then some weightlifting national championship appearances. And um, right now I'm kind of cycling back into teaching full time. So um, as my kids approach school age, so um, that's where we sit now. And it seems that um, aside with working and raising kids, I always like to do, I've, I fell in love with this podcast thing. And um, in fact, it might be interesting for you guys, a podcast that really got me into this was a conversation between Joe Rogan and Christine, uh, Christine Somers Hoff or Christine Hoff. Oh yeah. Um, her, that conversation between a comedian and, um, you know, a feminist, I was just like, this is an amazing conversation. I need to do this. And, um, and that, that's where we sit now. And that was, that really was, I will tell you, I've listened to that podcast maybe four times. It's, it's one I always go back to. I think that's just a great conversation and it might, might bring up some topics that, that might be relevant today if, if we can, if we, yeah, what struck you, what struck you about that one? I'm familiar with Christina Hoff Summers from her book. What is it, Janet? Is it the war on boys? Yeah. 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 Yeah, that that book was the the gist of it, but I, I think the thing about I never realized the plight for boys, I guess, in school systems. Growing up, or my first jobs were in school systems, in particular middle school, and you know it is the middle school boys who are always getting in trouble. And I never, I never once thought it had anything to do with the environment. But then you sit and think about it; those kids are balled up with energy as me and, you know, Jeremy's running around the woods shooting guns. You know, I'm playing football. You know, getting into trouble. You know throwing rocks through windows, doing those things, whatever you're getting into. But, you know, sometimes it's just there's such a limited outlet for boys in the school system, I believe, to just get energy out sometimes and, and figure out what they're doing and and to just realize that some of what they're doing, there might be some underlying reasons biologically for doing it or, or environmentally. So it got me to recognize boys might have a, a situation that's it's an uphill battle sometimes in schools. I'd say a lot of times. That's such an interesting perspective for me because obviously Jeremy and Joe, you guys grew up as boys. You grew up yeah. in the school system. You experienced it firsthand and now you're kind of re-experiencing it as parents. Yeah. Jeremy, what was your experience like in school? Yeah, so growing up as a kid in the school system, it was kind of the same thing, you know. It was in Idaho, a little more conservative, so um they're a little more stringent. I remember um, when I was in first grade, I, I started a food fight and I had to go to the principal's office. He took the paddle off the wall with all the holes in it. He told me to bend over, pull my pants down, whooped me three times. I never got in trouble ever again. 
in school. Really? Never skipped school, never anything. It, it was like a tune-up. It kept me from getting in trouble. So going through the school system, they said, hey, you do this and this and this. And I followed exactly verbatim what they did. And then back then, you know, the, there wasn't this ADD. There weren't these labels on children, right? And kids were able to be kids. We went out, we played, we went back in. Sometimes kids broke their legs out, on the, out at recess or what have you. And then they went and got casts on and they were back there the next day. There wasn't all this, you know, political backlash or parents suing and this and that. I mean, mm-hmm. the society now is just making it harder for people to just be people or kids to be kids. I just want to remind our listeners, you know, that corporal punishment is still legal in about 22 states. So mm. you really do need to know what's happening at your child's school and if that is a method that is being used at your children's schools because it's, it's still out there. Those yeah, paddles with the holes on them are still <laughs> on the wall. I was never hit with the paddle. I was always generally a, I was a pretty compliant kid and a nice kid. I think what kind of, for some reason, what, what got me through it without much of a headache was wanting to please coaches, to be honest. As soon as I got into sports, it was like, hey, some way it clicked where if I do good here, I can do stuff over there. And, and that worked for me. And, and I also think that when, I don't know if it's a Washington thing, or I don't know if it's a Pennsylvania thing, that's a difference. But I just, I, I felt like when, when I was coming up, there was a little bit more of an elective option for kiddos, even at younger ages. It seems like in this age of standardized testing, um, for example, the, the school district I just worked in, we're getting done our like 11th day of testing. And yes. when, when testing goes through this, it's, it, the whole school is pretty much in this weird place for half the day. And then the second half of the day, we, we expect these kiddos who are just been stressed out of their gourd to then just pick up. And then and a lot of times they'll go back to a classroom where then they have to go do Cornell notes for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, come on, gang. So even recognizing that a little bit, I've taken my health class and put it on hold and we're out doing an ultimate Frisbee unit. So I'm taking them right outside to, to, oh, thank you. to blow off some steam. So yes. um, I think for me, what, what I've just noticed mostly, that's just an, an interesting thing that I believe could fix maybe school culture is just, we saw that Stephanie Kilmer's classroom, Janet, you, you posted that picture of the stand-up desks. Right. I, I believe we've lost this idea of establishing any form of movement culture with kids. When they're in school, they're going to sit down and they're going to do math and science. Sure, that's great, but man, where's where's the opportunity? We did a um, we did a small project in our classroom where I had the kids define movement as simply standing and then calculate how many minutes during the school day they were on their feet. And the kids who didn't have PE, um, they'd be on their feet the second half of um, their lunch period, which is fifteen minutes, and then they'd be on their feet during their passing periods. Yeah, that would be four-minute passing periods from before first period to the end of the day, and there's six periods, so that was um, seven passing periods. So 15 minutes plus four times eight plus 28 minutes. It's not good. Less than an hour in a, what, seven-hour day, six-hour day? Yeah, it's brutal. It's brutal. I know. Can we do that as adults? I mean, we kind of, some of us do, but expecting that of children who, you know, young ones are, they're basically running a marathon in their bodies every day. They need to. And so it is cruel that we're asking them and requiring them and making them wrong, diagnosing them when they can't sit still. In my school system, our guidance counselors always pass around these little forms and and, um, for, I'm getting more and more, um, 
doctor referrals, which it seems like they want us to check these boxes. Do they do this? Do they fidget? Do, do they pay attention? And, and generally, you'll see that a few weeks after I'll get one of these referrals, generally there's another slip. You know, so-and-so is going to be going through this process or be on this medication. And it's, you know, rather than fix it by getting a standing desk or an extra PE class or better food, the, the idea is, um, let's let's medicate them. And I, I again that that conversation came up in the in um, Christine Hoff's summer's interview. And I'm really sensitive to the over medication over medicating of them as well. I think that, that that's another tough spot that they're in. One of the things that has been so challenging for me, I, I have four boys. Hmm. They currently range from 13 to 21. So I'm right there with you, Jeremy. <laughs> I have boys. The school system is what it is right now. Mm-hmm. I totally agree that we need some systematic changes, and yet I'm acutely aware that these changes are frankly not going to happen enough, quickly enough, to help my sons who are currently going through the school system. Sure. So do you guys have some ideas on things that we can be doing as parents, as teachers, as coaches to help boys function their best given some of the things that we can't change right now? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're a teacher in particular, you need probably just recognize the situation. In my classroom, being aware of it at least, I start every day with a game. For You know, that we play a name game. Everyone, when they walk into the classroom, they're on their feet for the first five minutes, no matter what, and no one sits until we'll have some form of a ball toss, and then I'll pose them a question that will lead into the activity for the day. In the beginning, it was we wanted everyone to learn their names and, and um, get some competition. We would time them, do certain things, and then as they've gotten better at that game, it'll be a leading question for the day. Like, hey, we're right now trying to get the kids even aware of this situation. We're ending the school year with a um, if I ran the school project. So then I'll submit all these little persuasive letters to the principal at the end of the year. They'll sit after they answer it and then they'll begin their prompt. So little, I think, I think little chunking, things like that, when you notice boys fidgeting and going crazy, rather than sit there and bark at them to be quiet, um, Get the get the class on their feet. I mean, there's a there's that stand up kids resource. Um, Standupkids.org is a really cool resource, and along with giving teachers great information on writing grants and finding grants to get stand up desks in your room, it also um, gives you some really cool five minute lessons that you could use as kind of brain breaks to get your kids active in the classroom. Yeah, and I think on the home front, you know, with your children that are hyperactive or whatever, <clears throat> keep the tablets out of their hands as much as possible until they get older. My oldest son, he's 21, Joey, and my daughter, Antoinette, they never had, we never had video games at our house. We didn't let them watch TV except for maybe one hour a day, and they had to earn it. And with Titus, we kind of do the same thing, but we're a little more lax now because we're in our mid-40s and we're raising a seven-year-old, so it's, you know, you have less energy. <laughs> and the culture changed. You know, with, there is a digital gap between my oldest kids and my youngest kids. Hmm. Tablets weren't a thing when my 21-year-old was a kid. I, I distinctly remember when we got the first computer where we could watch video on it. You know, it's right. changed a lot. <laughs> it's changed a lot. Well, and I've noticed with Titus, you know, we'll let him be on the tablet for an hour. And then when he he's gets off that thing, he has lost his dang mind. I mean, he's yeah. going 110 miles an hour. He can't yell loud enough. He can't run quick <laughs> enough because yeah. he was sitting there for idle time for so long. And Titus is a kid with high energy. Joe knows he was his hmm. um, teacher for a while. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I taught Titus for a little bit. Titus, Titus is, I'll be honest, I think in Titus in the wrong system um, without the right attention is a kid that I think would probably be thrown a bunch of meds to just calm them down. Mm-hmm. And like in the past, kids like Titus and other higher energy boys, you know, in their little tribe, they'd probably develop their warrior culture to some degree. And then now being so far from any sort of conflict and, and actually I think in going so far to take all conflict out of every situation, uh, boys like that are, they're, they're looked at as bad. They're not just looked at as kids of high energy sometimes. Yeah. Well, and with Titus, Titus is adopted. So he came for, he, he was, there was drugs in his system when he was born. So here's a kid that's high energy, has a dependency problem out of birth, and then you're going to throw medication to him. And then now he's just going to get codependent on some other kind of medication. And then it just evolves and then it gets worse and worse as he gets older and older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm an anti drug your kid up kind of guy. That's really interesting. I, um, I'm a health writer also. My background was nursing before I moved into writing and everything else I do now. And I honestly don't know how much research has been done or how much we in healthcare professionals know if you have a kid whose mm-hmm. brain and body developed affected by substances. What impact does adding, you know, meds later do? Because the brain has developed along a different track. That's sounds like some research writing there to do, Jen. Doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> just add that to your list. Why don't you? Why don't I? I'll just get right on that. Janet. Okay. I'll have an article done in an hour. No. Yes. Jeremy, <laughs> I want to talk to you about the culture of hunting because I know as I go and talk with parents and many, many moms are very anti-gun, anti-hunting. There's a lot of concern in early childhood around boys who turn everything into a gun and why is this happening and what's wrong with my child. And so I would love for you to speak to our listeners who maybe didn't grow up around the culture of hunting and yet now they have a boy who is all about guns. Talk to us about that. Yeah. So naturally we're just, you know, as hunters and gatherers, which I've heard you talk about in your speeches that what's it 99 and a half percent of our whole existence, we were hunter gatherers. Mm -hmm. So we have that natural hunt, catch, attack, that game, right? Mm-hmm. And I think what we're finding out now as generations get further and further is that parents aren't educated on hunting, on shooting, on any of that stuff. So if you don't have that education, you're just going to automatically think, because you're watching news, right. you're going to automatically think that guns are bad and that they kill people, mm-hmm. which that's not the intention. That's just people with an agenda that happen to have a gun and go out and commit a crime. But with hunters, if you notice, most hunters, they have everything locked up. They're very, they have their guns locked up in one area, their ammo locked up in another area. They're very, you know, they educate their kids. They let them get out there and shoot them. Because one thing Not is- Not shoot the kids, shoot yeah. the guns. <laughs> shoot the guns, correct. <laughs> we got to yeah. be careful on our, on yeah. our pronouns here. Yeah, thank you for that clarification. What happens sometimes is you get parents that don't follow the rules, and then they throw- the gun behind their bed is a safety device, right? They use it as protection. And the kid gets curious and he goes and grabs it and it's loaded and he doesn't know how to use it. Mm-hmm. And then he accidentally pulls the trigger. But if that kid was educated or even 
had shot one once before, he would understand the appreciation of the power that this thing has. So with this new culture now, people are thinking guns kill and hunting is bad because you're going out and you're, you know, you're shooting these animals and then they go home and then they have a cheeseburger that they had that got, you know, that they got from a, a farm, a beef farm. And I don't know if anybody, I mean, growing up in Idaho, there's a lot of cattle ranches and it's, it's not good how they process this meat. Right. Get these animals beefed up. So, you know, there's a huge thing. Hunting is also, it's conservation. It keeps the population down. I mean, right now you're seeing a rise in cougar kills right. over here in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. And they're killing people, which is the first time in history. And the reason why is they outlawed hunting with dogs, which is the only effective way to really harvest a cougar and control the population. And now the cougar population is getting so out of hand and they're hungry. Now, it's really inhumane because now you have a lot of cougars, the males, they, they'll chase off the other males and they have a big, they have a hundred square mile territory. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about By Heart Baby Formula. Byheart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only U.S. made infant formula to use organic grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast. And it is 10% off your first order. Byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet. I just had a conversation with my sister about that this weekend. She is 10 years younger than me, so I'm 51, she's 41, and she went to ask her healthcare provider, hey, can you provide me some information? And she got information, but she was frustrated by how incomplete, it seems, how little we know and how for way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is. Deal with it. Mm -hmm. Deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's Irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke, Janet. Cruel joke. Cruel joke. Thankfully, thankfully, increasingly, there are those who are recognizing that women need and deserve competent care and treatment for perimenopause and menopausal symptoms. And we know that can still be harder to access than it should be, which is why we have partnered with Winona. Winona helps women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. 
Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. Telehealth, you can access care from your home when it is convenient for you. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit with free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time. Your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code ONBOYS at buywinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A.com slash onboys. Winona, menopause care made easy. So they'll chase off the other males. Well, he starts to get mingy and hungry, and he's going to go into that natural state of mind and attack whatever he can to eat. It really varies down to the education and proper education and getting the statistics right. And, and it's guns don't kill. It's just, it's, it's crazy people. Yeah. With well, I mean, there is, as you said, there's this whole piece around hunting education. Three out of four of us, I think, Joe, yeah, we all live in the Pacific Northwest. So we are familiar with the interface of animals and people, and it's often doesn't go well. Do you think we don't have, we have, we don't have animals in Wisconsin or what? We have cougars out. We have big um, deer in Wisconsin, I think, we, don't you? We do. There are, <laughs> and there's questionable if, if those are indeed cougars that people are, are seeing in some places. But uh, I'm in rural Wisconsin. We have a huge hunting culture here. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is, as Jeremy was saying, you know, culling the deer and keeping the deer population down. Uh, car deer accidents are, I mean, everybody knows a lot of people who have hit <laughs> who have hit deer with their cars. It's a major yeah. issue. Yeah. yeah, and it totals your car. Yeah, it Eight does. Out of 10 times, it totals your car. And there's quite a few deaths more and more now because the cars are getting lower profile. Mm. Deer are long-legged. Yeah. You hit them on the bottom, the hoofs come in through the window, and you have to have conservation to help sustain that, that population. Yeah. You know, going back to the, the school issue, too, one of the things that I found as a parent of boys is the school culture is increasingly intolerant of guns or gun stories or war stories. I have gotten concerned calls from teachers because I had boys write stories. I got a concerned call once. It wasn't a gun, but it was my kid drew a picture of a shark attacking a surfer and, you know, she was concerned about potential for violence in my son. I'm like, it's a picture. You know, there are people who try and shut this down. And I understand none of us, none of us want our kids to become the next school shooter. I get that. But it seems like we have to allow our children freedom to explore their minds and write stories and draw pictures, even if those pictures might involve guns or a dead animal. Right. Because it's a type of expression, right? Yeah. That they're going to act on it. Like Joe's saying, you keep these kids in school, you don't let them move around. I mean, you're, you're suppressing them to do things that naturally were not designed to do. Mm-hmm. Well, and, expression and, is a big one. 
in school, I, th- I think there's a neat opportunity sometimes in school too. So, so for example, even in the school system that I work in, um, I'm working with them right now to bring archery into the school. So we're not going to teach gun safety into school, but I'll be honest, I think the hunter safety gun education course, I didn't grow up with guns at all. I'm very weary of them. And even right now, we don't have guns in the house. Turkey that I bagged with Jeremy this year was my first, my first notch tag was actually with his shotgun. So spending a week learning about them, spending a week handling them under the guidance of pros who, who've spent their lifetime using them really gives you a, a different appreciation for them. So knowing that I can't do gun safety in the school, I've worked really hard with a group called um, National Archery in Schools Program. And through um, Washington Fish and Wildlife, we're bringing in this really great archery program to our school system. And what the archery program does is it teaches all the safety aspects of it, teaches them how to do this um, competition. And then it, it kind of just puts the equipment in their hands and kind of gives them the power to, to feel it, to use it, and to, to use it in their guidance. And I, I really just think that the more anyone gets educated about anything, whether it's guns or whether it's art or whether it's a vehicle, I mean, we have this conversation about guns and, and hunting being unsafe, but how about the fact that how many kids are, are dying in vehicles every year because seatbelts aren't installed properly? So education is the power we need in anything. And, and even, when it's a, even when it's something that could be dangerous, like a gun or a bow and arrow, I don't think there's really much difference between that and a vehicle. Or, um, yeah. What I like about what Joe's doing with the school system is that it is also teaching safety in a different way, but they, it's still a weapon. It's, they're, they're switching that mindset and, letting them, and teaching them, hey, these are the things you have to think of before you shoot a weapon, right? Because that's what it is. Yeah. There's an interesting statistic that um, everybody remembers the movie Twilight. No. Right? I don't. I don't, well, I don't watch Vampire. Yeah. <laughs> what, did, what was she using? Hey, I've never watched it either. <laughs> what was she using, Jeremy? <laughs> she was using a bow and arrow. Are you talking? Go ahead, Joe. Hunter. No, you're not talking about Twilight. You're talking about the uh, the Hunger Katniss Games. Everdeen. You're talking about the Hunger Games. Oh, yeah, Hunger Games. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Hunger I watched Games. that. Now it you, all makes sense. Okay. You could tell I watched yeah. them, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wherein four adults reveal their uh, disconnect with popular culture. Listen, I stopped watching vampire movies at Lost Boys, so I don't you know. Them, them, them Twilight films can take a hike. I want my vampires listening to rock music and riding dirt bikes, not being, you know, pale-faced vegan types, you know, so. You know. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll work it out. Listeners, take that with a grain of salt there. Yeah, yeah sorry. No, no, we, no. Prob- we probably have a lot of moms who grew up loving those books and movies, so yeah, yeah. thanks. No. We just lost half our listeners. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but after Hunger Games came out, archery all around the, the U.S. went up 50%. I think archery is a great skill. And as Joe was saying, you know, there's all these steps and learning safety and learning just the capacity of your own body of what it can do. And is it mostly middle school when this is brought in? Yeah, so what 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 NASPY does? It's a really cool program. Again, check out the website NASP. They they have a if if ever anyone's first off, they they do a great job to make it affordable for the program. I mean, we're getting a we're getting almost six thousand dollars worth of equipment for about fifteen hundred dollars, and oh, that's wow. a lot of the, a lot of it through the NASPY grant, which is a very easy grant application. So check them out. But our group will be middle school, so we're going to get about twenty two bows and arrows, ten targets, and a bunch of arrows, and then we just work the classes in PE through 
we'll, we'll have it next year. We're going, we're getting the equipment now. So we're getting trained up in June, but yeah, it'll be middle school, six through eighth, but uh, the NASPE program, they'll, they'll start. I think that there's a couple elementary schools that even do it, but generally they want them, their recommendations are around fourth grade. What's great. And it goes all the way through high school. And then this, this line of archery will fall right in line to something that they can pursue afterwards. So even from a PE standard, it really pushes that, that lifetime of fitness, that lifetime of learning. And, you know, for some of these kiddos, for, for guys or gals who just can't get sit still, it's amazing how focused they'll get with a bow and arrow in their hand, which is pretty amazing, right? And if you do get into it and give it a chance, archery is one of those really cool sports that's between activity and meditation because what you end up doing with archery is it's how do I get this equipment to work right and you find out that it's not so much about what you do you're trying to do less so you're trying to build structure to breathe right and to then repeat a process intuitively and you only build that through repetition 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 and um it's really neat man I've seen a lot of kiddos who just can't you know, they're balls of energy, but all of a sudden they see the bow and arrow, they're focused right there. And then they get it in their hand. And I th- I think they even, you know, for all the credit, we don't want to give kiddos. I mean, they're super intuitive, right? From an early age, they, they, they know mom and dad are angry, you know, and, and I think kids, if you give them a chance and you give them the right procedures in your classroom or in your home, I, th- I think they'll get it sooner than you think they will. And, and yeah. I've seen it with these arrows and, and the bows. and it's, it's pretty neat. You mentioned, Joe, that coaches were kind of a lifeline for you. And yeah. we talked about how mentors can be a helpful thing for people. And sure. you talking about archery and hunting is another option for that. Obviously, 100%. different kids have different interests, but some of those kids that you introduce to archery through the schools, they may find this is a thing for them. Sure. And there are archery clubs. There are, near us anyway, we have a, a group of gentlemen that run an archery club, and they love it when kids express an interest. And they're more than willing to help them develop their skills. A lot of times through um, hunter safety and gun safety programs, there are you know older hunters who are paired with younger kids. So it's another option for your kids to make connections with people who can role model and teach them and just be another part of the village. It's a balance to the way I like to do my classes. I mean, because when I, when I get hold of a PE class, it's high energy. It's, it's let's run, let's jump, let's play, let, let's, let's build this sweat, let's work hard. But with archery, it's a different kind of way to place your energy too. It's that kind of focusy, slow it down. Let's be methodical about this. And it's a fun thing to learn. I, th- I think it provides lots of balance. And that, that idea of reaching out outside of your community as well. I mean, it, it's, it's it's just one more thing. And I think I think maybe we can probably all be in agreement to this. I think probably the best thing you can do for any kid is just to expose them to as much as possible, as yes. early as possible, and let them let them sort out their own interests. Yeah. Jeremy, I or yeah, I want you to talk about what happens out when you're hunting for oh, yourself like and in your relationship with the people you're hunting with. Maybe it's father, son. What talk about that? Because I think there are, I, I'm kind of imagining the scenario of the wife is at home. This might be really stereotypical, but wife is home, husband, oh, he's going hunting again. And <laughs> you know, what What does that do in your inner life? And how do you come back a renewed or a different, with a different attitude? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So with me, hunting and with anything that you do, I'm always big on there's there's always preparation, right? So you prepare to go out into the field and hunt. People think hunting, they think you're out killing. But really, 99% of the time, you're just out in the woods and you're enjoying nature and you're sitting there like if I was, when I take my son, we're just out there, we're looking at birds, we're hearing things, we're seeing things you never do, you're smelling things you never really do. And it's just, it's all fresh air. It's, it's nature and it's you. And if you're with your son, it's the two of you or your hunting party against the elements. So there's that, that challenge, right? You, you look, at, look at the mountains in, over on the West Coast, you know, we're blessed with high, big, mountain, uh, mountainous mountains, right? So you got to look over and you see a ridge system two over and you say, well, we got to get there because that's where the animals are. So now you have to trek through to get over down to a ridge that could be 2,000 feet up, 4,000 feet down and 2,000 feet up. So there's all these challenges. And with that challenge, you're sitting there in the case with the sun, you're walking through it, you're helping him out, you're mentoring him. And even with hunting partners, like with Joe last year was his first year hunting big game in the West coast. And you're, you got to look for this sign. You got to look for this. You got, I mean, it, it, it turns into a huge game. And at the middle of the day, you sit down, you pull up a tree, you take a nap, you listen to the birds, you take your shoes off, you enjoy time together. There's zero stress. Most of the time, there's no cell service. So you just have this great camaraderie with your friends, kids, and and then when you come back, I, I always just feel whole. I just feel, geez, I'm, you know, I was in God's creation here. I was in, able to enjoy it in its whole entirety. In the city, I mean, it's back into the car. It's yeah. stop and go traffic. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's turns into me- pure mayhem. I feel relaxed just listening to you. Talk about that. <laughs> well, I was going to do all the bird chirps and all that stuff, but I thought that would kind of get weird. You break can out you, a break out one of your calls, Jeremy. Can you can, do you a can call. Yeah, do one. Jeremy. I don't have any calls by me. They're oh. they're over in the in the garage. I have them oh. locked up. No, locked just... up. <laughs> but, you don't uh, want the kids getting hold of those. Uh, no. 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 If 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 I could speak to what Jeremy was just talking out too, like you know, we, you have this. He brought up this idea of being against the elements, but it, I think it's also important that you know those elements also provide a lot of things for us. You know, I'll I'll speak to one that I think is pretty underlooked or maybe not thought of. The idea of vision. You know, we we live this in this day and age where we're here now with this screen, and you see it more and more. I mean, um, I think it was Jen or Janet brought it up earlier that there's been a digital gap. Well, even in the five years I was out of teaching and coming back, that these phones just being in the kids' hands is crazy. I, I was not ready for that at all, but it's been a big deal. But you know, that idea of being six inches of sight mm. into like this three inch screen, it's not really good for our eyes. And we're losing some ideas of depth perception. It's not good. So even just getting outside and, and learning how to look at vast landscapes, I mean, I think it's an opportunity to balance out what your kids are looking at and what you're looking at. So so the health benefits are are pretty enormous to just spending quality time outside, whether it's vision or or helping boost your immune system by by breathing in the different critters that are around you. I mean, we want to talk about you know having allergies. A lot of th- 
I'd be one to think that it's because you're pent up in a in a vacuum sealed home all the time as much as it, and then all of a sudden you're going out outside where microbes are are in the air everywhere. So I think a little bit of exposure um, is super important. If you're not used to being out skied for a seven day weekend, just start with taking an hour nature walk, you know, once mm-hmm. a week and then build that up. And that then seven day weekend, Joe, I like that idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. I want one. That's yeah. a new thing. We're, we're yeah. implementing that starting right now. Yeah. Well, that, that's why, that's why Elk Camp was set up, you know. Okay, ah. seven day now seven day we get the secret. Yes. Well, and if you notice when you take kids out into the, well, I've noticed over the years when I take my children out into the wilderness, it's amazing how they'll go two steps and they see like the smallest thing and then they have to fidget with it and then they go three steps and fidget with that and then they're exploring, right? And that's what we're missing in children today. They don't get that opportunity to go out and explore and have fun and enjoy the nature. When my kids were little, I actually thought it was far easier to parent them in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> Whether we were just out for a nature walk or camping than at home. Because in the woods, I don't care. Get as dirty as you want to, get wet. And they they could keep themselves busy in a natural environment in a way they often couldn't in a house with, you know, all the toys known to mankind. Yeah. There's just right. something about being out there in nature. And I think you're right. Sometimes you have to baby step to it, right? If your kids yeah. are not used to being in nature, you're going to have to start small and work your way up to the seven-day weekend. But you can get there. We're getting well, it, there. Seven-day weekend, man. <laughs> it, is, it is scary, but there are some great spots called um, the Hudson Highlands Nature Center. And what it was was this outdoor trail area where they they taught kids about nature and all these different things. But they had this great playground that was made from natural timber. Oh, I love it. And then then kids were painting with water and slate. And then there was a mud pile. It wasn't like the current playgrounds you see, the super color and plastic. Because if you notice, those kids kids will, my kids at least, they, they go into these playgrounds and then five minutes later, they're bored and want to go somewhere yep. else. Every time we went to the Hudson Highlands Nature Center, it could, we could be there for an hour. We could be there three hours. It was always us pulling the kids out. And we put all of, all of these links will be in our show notes. Jen's so good at keeping track. Of I'm all taking of that. notes oh, as good. we talk. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, so, Jen, you brought up a point about kids getting dirty and and having fun and doing that. And I think that's what we're lacking in the society now is that everybody's such clean freaks that and then their kids get dirty and they're like, oh no, no, you can't get dirty. You can't do this. Yeah. And then they wonder why their children and everybody at the house is always sick. Yeah. Uh-huh. Is because yeah. they're not out there, you know, building that immune system. So tell us how our listeners can find you on your podcast and your website. Go uh, backcountryandbarbells.com. Yeah, you can find all of our all of our social media, all of our episodes. Uh, the project's pretty new. The general gist is not so far off of conversations like this. It's it's tr- how do you train? How do you hunt? And how do you how do you live? And and we just put this kind of, we put our own little twist to it um, where we, we kind of bring in hunting and training experts and, and then we have back and forth like this as well. So yeah, that website, backcountrybarbells.com, you can find everything. Thank you so much for joining us today, you guys. This has been a lot of fun. And I know for myself and I'm sure for you as well, Janet, it's nice to talk to other people who are doing the same thing from different angles. And mm. we're all working to raise the next generation and want these to be incredible human beings. 
Thanks for joining us. We are Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison, and we are here to support you in parenting and teaching tomorrow's men. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.